This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about Acts 24 today, so let's take a closer look. Yeah, this is an interesting story. We carry on Paul's journey through this political-slash-church institution waters of uncertainty that he's been navigating for the last couple of weeks. And... If you remember, they made this plot to kill him. And the Jews made this plot to kill him. And he there's this big ruckus, and he gets the Romans get involved. And then the Jews plan to kill him. Paul's nephew intervenes. And then Rome decides that they have to send him to Caesarea to where the governor is because... 40 Jewish elders have risen up and said they're going to take an oath that they're not going to eat or drink until they kill Paul. Yeah. Before the day they take that oath, that night, Paul leaves for Caesarea. Mm -hmm. We pick up in the story. Five days later, the high priest. So these other people have not... Their oath was no food or water. Yeah. Five days later, these men dead. <laughs> Unless they drank some water, they dead. Five days later, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and an attorney, a certain Tertullus, and they reported their case against Paul to the governor. When Paul had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, So... The high priest and some of his boys, some of his posse, roll up with this attorney that Luke think is, thinks is worthy of name, mm-hmm. a certain Tertullus. Um, so like a hot shot. Yeah. So they roll up in here, and they're going to leverage these charges against Paul before the governor. This is what they say. Your Excellency. Because of you, we have long enjoyed peace and reforms have been made for this people because of your foresight. We welcome this in every way and everywhere with utmost gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you to hear us briefly with your customary graciousness. We have, in fact, found this man a pestilent fellow, an agitator among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, and so we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn from him concerning everything of which we accused him. The Jews also joined in the charge by asserting that all this was true. Clayton, what do you hear in that? I hear um, abuse of power. Oh, okay. Um, the way that um, the way that this ends up working out and how they're having the conversation, it is trying to transition uh, power away from. Um, I 
away from where it needs to be. Does it make sense? Do you hear me? Yes, I think I do. Um, I hear a lot of blowing smoke. Yeah. I hear a lot of BS that I got to sift through to get to the point where they make some allegations that are, we have in fact found this man a pestilent fellow, an agitator among all the Jews Mm -hmm. throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. So, they're identifying him in very like pejorative ways, mm-hmm. right? A small sect of the Nazarenes, Jesus the Nazarene, right? Yeah. You got it. Um, he even tried to profane the temple, and so we seized him. We've read the story. Paul ain't never trying to profane no temple. Like, that's mm-hmm. not Paul's life. He ain't trying to live that way. And it's for all the Jews. He's causing ruckus for all the Jews, right? They so over the they over the top about everything. They extra AF, bro. Oh yeah, for sure. Picking up in verse 10. When the governor motioned to him to speak, Paul replied, I cheerfully make my defense, knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation. As you can find out, it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. What should that tell you? He went to the temple. Screams faithful Jew. Yeah. Screams faithful Jew. It hadn't even been 12 days. It hadn't even been two weeks since I've been to the temple. Mm -hmm. Irregardless of synagogues. The temple, the premier place to worship our God. Right. It hadn't even been 12 days since I've been there to worship. Mm -hmm. They did not find me disputing with anyone in the temple or stirring up a crowd either in the synagogues or throughout the city. Neither can they prove to you the charge that they now bring against me. But this I admit you, that according to the way which they call a sect, here we go. Here's that language. Yeah. According to the way. The, the way, way of Jesus. Jesus um, which they call a sect. Mm-hmm. So, and remember, all of this starts because Paul still thinks he is a Jew. Yeah. First and foremost, that is his institution that he answers to. Absolutely. This message is also for the Gentiles, but he is a Jew. To the Jew first, and then the Gentiles is what Paul says. Paul's still trying to live in their world. And so he's a sect of them. Product of the way which they call a sect. I worship the God of our ancestors, believing everything laid down according to the law or written in the prophets. I have a hope in God, a hope that they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. Okay, so you remember when Paul gets put on trial before the tribune? Yeah. This is what he claims. He crafts this master argument between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Remember, Paul's a good Pharisee. He knows his stuff. The Pharisees believe in a resurrection. 
The Sadducees do not. And Paul leverages this against mm-hmm. them, and that's what gives them, because the Pharisees are like, we don't see anything wrong with this guy. That's what gets the tribune involved and like, nah, what, what's going on? So now he's at this place, and he goes, here's what I tell you. I'm on trial because I have hope in a God uh, that they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. Paul thinks that he is on trial, that his current circumstances are because he is a faithful Jew that believes an acceptable belief of the Pharisees, and yet he's in prison Mm. because his institution is trying to kill him. That is Paul's life right now in this moment. This is how Paul is setting this up for you. This is Paul's heart right here in this speech. Verse 16, I think the climax of his speech. Therefore, because of all that, Mm -hmm. all that BS that they've put me through, I do my best always to have a clear conscience toward God and all people. You know what I heard here? I heard Paul in that moment say that he's doing his best. Well, that he's doing his best and that he has to answer to himself and God. Mm-hmm. And he has to do his best to treat other people and remain in righteousness. Right standing with God and right standing with other people. Yeah. And however Paul thinks he needs to do that, that's what Paul's trying to do. And his belief in the getting there is a sect of Judaism called the way of Jesus. That is Paul's life right now. And so he says, because of all of this, I do this. I do my best to have a clear conscience that I may be right before God and all people. Verse 17. Now after some years I came to bring alms to my nation and to offer sacrifices. While I was doing this, they found me in the temple completing rite of purification without any crowd or disturbance. But there were some Jews from Asia. They ought to be here before you to make an accusation if they have anything against me. Or let these men here tell what crime they had found when I stood before the council. Unless it was this one sentence that I called out while standing before them. It is about the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Paul thinks the only reason he is there is because he is on trial for the resurrection of the dead. That is the belief that he is on trial for. And that is the belief that they are trying to kill him for. And Paul is finding safety in his government. That is Paul's life. And he just made this masterful speech. It's beautiful. And now he waits for the governor to respond. This is what he gets. But Felix, the governor, who was rather well informed about the way adjourned the hearing with the comment, when Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he ordered the centurion to keep him in custody, 
but to let him have some liberty and not to prevent any of his friends from taking care of his needs. Do you know what Paul's friends do? Bring food. Like basic things that Paul needs to live in prison. They care for his needs, right? Ancient prisons aren't the same way. Some of them you got to pay your own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he's got some friends here in Caesarea that are helping care for his way. Um, Paul also has friends to run letters. Mm, yeah. Paul has friends to do a lot of foot traffic, foot soldiers. Um. Paul's a busy man. Last week, we talked about navigating times of uncertainty, moments of uncertainty. And what does it mean to have faith in those moments of uncertainty? I think Paul's modeling it for us. I don't think it's some spectacular thing where it's, you know, a road to Damascus. I think it can be that. Sure. I do think those exist. I'm not saying that's not true, but I don't think it's always that. I think sometimes it's being a person that's a person of faith and is in that place where you're ready to navigate the hard times and make the best of them as they come because they will come. Mm -hmm. We live in a broken and fallen world. Nobody is saying the hard times will not come. Paul is, you know, living life right now. But you know what Paul got to do in that moment? God gave Paul safety. And God gave Paul safety in a way that has made Paul's impact last for 2,000 years. Because I guarantee you, Paul probably wrote some letters. Possibly some of the ones we have. Um, even in light of Paul's circumstance there was something greater at play. And Paul is safe. I think there's something to that, friends. You know, there's something to the fact that sometimes there are things at play that are bigger than just us. And we get mad at things that are directly happening to us irregardless of how a difference in that decision impacts the rest of the world because this is all one big giant habitat ecosystem that we're living in. Yeah. And every decision we make has an impact on somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think sometimes we get upset at the things that are happening to us for a lot of different reasons. And you know what? Please don't hear me. No nonsense. Life's hard. Like, it's full of bullshit. Nobody is saying that life is not difficult. But what I do think I am saying is sometimes we blame God for life being difficult, irregardless of how it impacts other people or what it's doing in a larger picture. I think Paul was pretty pissed off. Mm -hmm. Paul is known for crying out to God. You know, Paul's a faithful Jew. They have lamentations. Like, lament is a thing. You might say Paul has some of his own laments um, recorded in the scriptures. And God gave Paul a time in a moment of uncertainty to do the thing that, or possibly do the thing that gave God, that gave Paul his most lasting impact to the kingdom. 
to the work of the message of the way. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's not as easy as it looks. Sometimes it's not as simple as, oh man, my life sucks in this very moment. Yeah. Sometimes there are greater things at play. Sometimes God is closing doors to make way for new ones. Um, and yet Paul still sits in a moment of uncertainty. As a lot of us do in moments of uncertainty. A lot of people live paycheck to paycheck, unknown, their job, you know. Yeah. Um, Paul lives in a world of uncertainty so much so that his life hangs in the balance. And he's finding the best way to utilize that experience to benefit the message of the way of Jesus. Might that be what we all try to do?